Welcome to another inspirational message from Northwest Church. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information on what your next step may be, please visit our website at northwestchurch.com.au. Well, let's just pray as we come around God's Word. Father, we just give you praise and thanks for all your goodness, Lord, uh, which is poured out upon this earth on a daily and a momentary uh, ongoing uh, basis, Lord. We thank you, Father, that, Lord, you just want your goodness to apply to each of our lives. And today, as we come around your word, Lord, may, uh, may it have seed and germination in our hearts, that it may bring us to life as you've designed it for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, we've been looking at what it means to be in the grind. And uh, the grind for me, I just wanted to maybe uh, give uh, some uh, form of definition to it. Uh, for me, what I would understand to be this colloquial term that we call the grind is the emotion of a continuous and monotonous life circumstance. How that emotion affects us. And so Daz brought the first uh, message on this and, and he uh, spoke about the, the grind and how we need to bring uh, inspired and clear purpose into our life to combat the grind. And then uh, Dan Urquhart uh, stood the next week and spoke about how the intentionality of our being transforms our life in the grind and transforms our circumstances in the grind. And then last week, of course, Pastor Bron uh, spoke about how when the grind uh, brings regret to our life, that that should press us more into Jesus Christ and that we might learn how to shake off regret. Shake off regret and, uh, and live... Not in the grind, but in spite of the grind. Amen? So today, I just want to speak uh, something about the grind. You know, the grind comes to us in all forms of daily life. It can be uh, in school. Certainly, I thought school was a 13-year sentence. Um, and, and I tried many ways to tunnel out. Um, the grind can be in your work experience. It can be in sibling rivalry. Sibling rivalry can bring you to a place of the grind. Health, debt pressure. There are so many things around our life that will just bring us to this grind. The grind, when I think of that word colloquially, my, my dad used to have an emery wheel in his garage. It used to have to be turned by hand, you know, and, and he would grind away at things, that, uh, bits of metal and that that he'd be working with. I used to just like listening to it and seeing how fast we could get it going as a kid. Look, I didn't know how to do anything with my hands other than turn the wheel. But the grind can be a lot like that. It can erode uh, our life. And, and one of the principal things that the grind tends to erode is hope. And uh, for Vicky and myself, before we came to know the Lord Jesus Christ... We'd been married about a year and our greatest hope was to have a family, to have children. 
and many of you all know the story and I'm not going to go into the fullness of it, but we couldn't. And for four years, we went through all sorts of, well, that is Vicky mainly, went through medical procedures. I sat in, in rooms at hospitals while she was operated on and all sorts of things. It was horrendous. It eroded hope. It took us, it took Vic to a, a place of mental exhaustion where she was in despair. It took me to a place of drunkenness where I felt there was no hope whatsoever. And then we came to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour and uh, were prayed for for healing. And 12 months later, our only child was born. So it's hope that I want to speak to you about. Because, you know, we all find ourselves in the grind we all find ourselves at times where hope is eroded to some degree, some more than others, uh, but uh, we need to understand uh, that it's not God's will that our hope be taken from us. Proverbs thirteen twelve says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. I'm glad about the balance of scriptures. You know, some, some people will take the scriptures and they'll see the, the negative in it. Uh, it's true. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Hope deferred can bring depression and mental illness and all sorts of things. Uh, but uh, this, this verse immediately says, but when the desire, you know... Hope is built out of us having a desire or having many desires. Uh, but sometimes our desires are right desires and sometimes they're not right desires. And so uh, uh, for, for us, before we came to Christ, even though we had a good desire, we, uh, we had a hopeless, uh, a hopeless sense of God relationship. In fact, we had none. And, and our hope was deferred... Uh, for something greater. But sometimes when your hope is deferred, uh, God's just waiting for you. Because when the desire comes, it's a tree of life. And I want to tell you that when the desire came to us and we gave our hearts to the Lord Jesus Christ and our daughter came 12 months later, I want to tell you, uh, that it was a, a tree of life from the moment, from the very minute that we said yes to Jesus. Uh, we, didn't, we didn't wait for our daughter to come. We knew she was coming. We knew she was coming. Why? Because there was a tree of life that had sprung up uh, where hope was no, no longer going to be deferred. In Psalm 37.4 God tells us that as you delight yourself also in the Lord, he shall grant you the desires of your heart. What a good, good God. What a good, good God. He will grant you the desires of your heart. We prayed for our daughter at her birth, uh, probably just minutes after she was born, that she would be uh, dedicated back to him and that her life would be a life of ministry. And today... Uh, uh, together with her husband, a little bit of help from him. Uh, she, uh, they are the senior pastors of Generosity Church, which has 12 campuses across New South Wales. 
because God is a good, good God and he will, de- he will grant you the desires of your heart as you, as I, delight in him. Delight in him. Bless God. In Genesis 2, verses 10 and 11, we read this. And this is a, a part of the description of the Garden of Eden. So this is right at the beginning of time for the world. And it says, uh, Now a river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from there it parted and became four riverheads. The name of the first is Pishon. It is the one which skirts the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold. Now I just want to highlight two things there. Uh, the valley of Havilah, the name Havilah means suffering. Suffering. Right there in the Garden of Eden, right at the beginning of time, there was a valley of suffering. We think that the Garden of Eden was just absolutely perfect. Well, it was. But part of that perfection was a valley of suffering. Now, the good thing about that, because everybody's going, oh, who wants to be in suffering? Well, we don't, none of us do. But it was there. Right at the start, it was there. But the good thing is that skirting around it, was the river Pishon. And Pishon means hope. And no matter what suffering we find ourselves in, it is always going to be skirted about by hope because that is God's intention. Because God understood and knew right from the beginning of time that his, the glory of his creation, mankind, would find suffering in this world. And right there, he surrounded suffering with hope. And in any valley of suffering that you find yourself, I want to tell you that God surrounds it in hope. And hope will never be deferred from you and I as we delight ourselves in the Lord because hope deferred might make the heart sick. But when the desire comes... It is a tree of life. And a tree grows monumentally. And what God wants is a life and an abundant life for you that grows monumentally. I want to take you to John chapter 5 verses 1 through to 9. This is Jesus uh, in Jerusalem. And it says, After this there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool. And stirred up the water, and then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he already had been in that condition a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, 
and said, uh, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. Uh, but while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately, and immediately, and immediately, the man was made well. He took up his bed and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. Now, I want to just tell you something about this passage of Scripture. It's always... It, it, for a long time, it really mucked up my theology. Because my theology says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. So, so there is no partiality in that verse of scripture. Jesus Christ came for all, not for one. My Bible tells me that God is not willing that one should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God, God ha has no partiality. He is, another verse says, he is not a respecter of persons. But this verse says that he'll heal one while who knows how many other dozens sit around and here's a man that's got no hope. He's lost all hope. He can't be lifted into the waters. Uh, this really messes with my theology. Until I understood that the pool of Bethesda is just outside the wall of Jerusalem. It is at the entrance or just inside a Roman temple to the god Asclepius. Maybe that's how you pronounce it. But what it means is uh, the God of healing. And the God of healing had two daughters. He had the daughter Hygieia, from which we get the word hygiene. And so there's uh, a pool in there, a bathing place. And we get the name uh, Panacea, which means... A single cure-all. And so we have the pool of Bethesda being put up by the Romans as a false place of healing or a place of cleansing and a place of, you know, I, I got a mental picture. I used to watch a lot of Westerns. Like they don't have Westerns anymore, you know, cowboys and Indians. They did in my day. And, and you would often get this uh, Dr. Um, uh, Dr. Flaherty who'd be in a wagon, you know, and he'd have uh, his one cure for everything in a bottle and he'd sell it to every town until he'd get run out of it. Well, that was exactly what this pool of Bethesda was professed to be. It wasn't, it wasn't a God thing. It was a pagan thing. And so, but Lee, what, do you, what, what about this verse that says, but there was, a, there was an angel that troubled the waters? Well, you see, they, they, they uh, unearthed in 1840 the Pool of Bethesda. And, and the Pool of Bethesda actually is two pools. So there's the pool where they would come and they would go in for bathing or if the waters were troubled, they'd go in for healing. And it was at a level above the other pool. The other pool wasn't really for public uh, display. 
so the pool where they would come was fairly shallow, just as well. Maybe a lot of people would have drowned otherwise. But the other pool was quite deep. And, and it was the reserve pool. Who knows if you've got a shallow pool it's, and you're in a hot climate, it's going to evaporate. So it has to be topped up. And it's the second pool that is used as a, as a reservoir for the topping up of the first pool. So they had a sluice gate which was below the water, the top water level of the shallow pool that would be opened up for water to siphon through and lift the level. Who, who's sort of with me that that could trouble the waters a little bit? You see, this whole experience was a fraudulent experience that, um, that the Romans put forward. They would charge you. I used to think the man had been there 38 years, but no, the Bible says he had an infirmity 38 years. But when he came to absolute deferred hope, he had no hope left of being healed, he put his trust in something that this world offered. Only to be disappointed. And Jesus walks into this place. The Jews wouldn't have it inside the Jewish wall. It was a pagan place of worship. And Jesus walks into this place. And he speaks to the man that has the least And he raises him up by restoring hope. Jesus didn't lift him up. Jesus said, you take up your bed and you walk out of here. And in that moment, hope filled that man's heart. And my Bible says that immediately he stood up. Grabbed his bed. You know, one like ours, I can barely lift the mattress. And he walked out. Because hope surrounds the valley of Havila, of suffering. Because it's always been God's intention that in your deepest suffering, when hope is lost, that he will restore hope. And that when the desire comes, thank you, that when the desire comes, it will be a tree of life for you. I am parched, you must have known. Excuse me one moment. Why did Jesus step into that place? Well, because Colossians 2.15 tells me that having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a, a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them. Jesus Christ always makes a public spectacle of that which is against him. There is a battle in the heavenlies. But Jesus Christ has given us the victory. Whatever the circumstances of your life,
Your victory is found in Jesus Christ. Romans 15 and verse 4 says, Such things were written in the scriptures long ago to teach us. And the scriptures, and the scriptures give us hope, give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. We don't wish for God's promises to be fulfilled. We wait for God's promises to be fulfilled. That gives us a certainty. The hope that God offers to us is always underpinned by the certainty of his promise. His promise is that he'll never leave you or forsake you. How deep is the valley? Not so deep that the author of hope can't be in it with you. You know the river of Pishon, there's a whole, whole flow uh, around that that I haven't got time to share. There's probably two or three other messages in that. But the end of it is that right there in the river Pishon, the promise of Jesus Christ coming was there. And he becomes the river of hope on the cross of Calvary. When he suffered for all of us. When he entered into the greatest valley of suffering that man would ever know, he entered in as the river Pishon. And from him, his blood flowed that we might find life, that we might find hope, that we might find victory in our suffering because right there on the cross, he wasn't defeated. No, he opened up the way to victory because my Bible says that on the third day, God raised him from the dead. My Bible also tells me that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in every believer. The river Pishon lives in you. The river of hope lives in you and me. His power is resurrection power. While deferred hope might make the heart sick, the river hope raises us in resurrection power in life because it is a tree of life. Finally, Psalm 62.5 says, Let all that I am wait quietly before God, for my hope is in him. Would you come to your feet? I want to pray for you. Maybe we could have a keyboard player. Maybe not. I probably...
probably make me f- sound better. My deep voice scares little kids when I sing. I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know how long you've been going through. But there are people today whose experience is the valley of Havilah. You are surrounded by hope today. God so loves you. His grace and His mercy is all over you. He only wants good for you. As your desires come from delighting in Him, He wants to grant them to you. As every eye is closed, every head is bowed, let me just ask and give you the opportunity this morning that maybe you live in a place of hopelessness like Vicky and I did before we came to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour. Here's an opportunity for you to know Jesus as your Lord and Saviour today. He's so willing to accept you. Would you be willing to accept Him and allow Him to become the tree of life to you that you might be brought out of the hopelessness and brought into the glorious hope that God intends for you. If that's you this morning, I just want you to raise your hand so I can see who I'm praying for. Thank you. Thank you. Very good. Anyone else? Okay, I'm just going to pray for those and then I'm going to pray for each and every person here today. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for those that have raised their hand today in acceptance of you. I pray, Lord God, that, Father, your very presence and peace will flood their soul right now. Lord, I pray, Father, that uh, you'll just lift them into that place of life because that's your promise. So I ask it with confidence for these people that today have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ to be their Lord, to be their Saviour, to be their author of life. Thank you now, God. And Lord, I pray for every person present today. Father, I, I don't know what each person or what any person might be going through, but you do. For you look to the very depth of our heart and you know us so very, very well. And Lord, you love each one with a love that never, ever fails. Lord, I pray, Father, over every person gathered here today, that there will be an elevation of hope in their lives. That, Lord... uh, Whatever has caused them, Lord God, to lose or feel that hope is gone, I pray, Father, it be restored. I pray, Lord God, that every sense of, uh, of suffering, Lord God, 
uh, will be uh, dissolved by the hope that comes in Jesus Christ. And Lord, that desires that have not been yet met, Lord God, will be met according to the promises of the living God, Father, over the lives of each person. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen and amen. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring faith or a follower of Jesus, there is a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to northwestchurch.com.au. And thanks again for listening.